So I just want to read, um, hopefully you can see that. This is from Galatians 5. It's a portion that many of you will know well, especially uh, the bit that we're going to get to in a few moments. So Paul writes to the church in Galatia, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Take note, I, Paul, am telling you that if you get yourselves circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. Again, I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised that he is obligated to do the entire law. You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. For we eagerly await through the Spirit by faith the hope of righteousness. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. You were running well. Who prevented you from being persuaded regarding the truth? This persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough. I myself am persuaded in the Lord you will not accept any other view. But whoever it is that is confusing you will pay the penalty. Now, brothers and sisters, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. I wish those who are disturbing you might also let themselves be mutilated. For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. And I wanna pick out that final phrase from verse 16, verse 13 for our theme this morning. But serve one another through love. Say serve one another. Louder. All right, you all stay awake. This morning there was a few sleepers last Sunday night when I was speaking. Don't want anyone, Jackie, don't want anyone sleeping, that wasn't you. Don't want anyone sleeping this morning, okay? And what about verse 14 to add just a, a, a little more weight to what the Lord is trying to say to the church through the pen of Paul. The law is fulfilled in one word. Listen, it's simple. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't take anything else this morning, take that. Love your neighbor as yourself. And there's a few of you in here, love yourselves just a wee bit too much. Not right? Lord, love who? Lord, who am I to love? Your neighbor. How much am I to love my neighbor? Just as much as you love, look after and care for yourself. That's exactly how much. No more and no less. But you know what? Here's the truth, church. Serving one another is something in all honor. If we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we don't get it right. Sometimes we can fail at this. Sometimes we can be so bad at it. And you know what? I can be really bad. And let's be honest, so can you. And the difficult truth to accept is we are not always great at serving one another. We're great at serving ourselves, but sometimes we're not so good at serving one another. Um, the word translated here as serve is do you okay? And it literally means to be, to be a slave to, okay, or to do service. 
okay? It's simply to be a servant. If you dig a little deeper into the root of this Greek word, we find the well-known uh, biblical word doulos. I'm sure you've heard that before. Doulos, which is a literal or figurative slave, can be voluntary or involuntary. And in most translations, the word is translated as servant, okay? A lot, of trans, a, lot, a lot of Bible translations don't like to use the word slave because of the modern connotation of it, but that's not what it means, okay? That's why they will use the word servant, but it's the same thing. When, in a biblical sense, there is no difference between a slave and a servant. It's exactly the same word. And here is where we find the deep truth of what Paul is trying to get across here when he uses this word, when he writes to the believers in Galatia. Because metaphorically, this word carries two meanings. Listen to these. One who gives himself up, okay? So we give ourselves up to another's will, those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men. That's good, isn't it? So we wanna be a slave and a servant like that. One who get, we give ourselves up to another's will and whose service is used by Jesus in extending and advancing his cause among men. And the second meaning that it carries is a person who is devoted to another in disregard of his own interests. And that's probably more where we're going this morning. But it carries those two incredible meanings. You know, I don't think I could find a better description of what it means to serve one another, to be devoted to another in disregard of your own interests. Here we give up our wills and we serve the will of God. And a result of that, we are then used by God to extend and advance his cause and his kingdom in our community, in our city, in our country. And we also become people who are devoted to one another with a complete disregard for our own interests, our own desires. And church, this is what service is truly all about. We need to be devoted to one another. We need this to be a place of devotion. And in this devotion, we will serve one another. But I know, like, look, there's so many things in the Bible, it's easier said than done. You read it and say, yes, Lord. But when you go to put it into practice, then it's a different ballgame. Am I right or wrong? Say you're right. I know I'm right. Why? Why? Why is this? Because it takes one thing that I think is so hard for us as fallen creatures. We have, we have, there's something about us and sometimes it can be a lack of humility. And this idea of serving one another truly needs humility. It needs biblical humility to be humble, to be modest, to be respectful, to be egoless. It takes long suffering and patience. It takes forgiveness. It takes meekness and a gentle spirit. We talked about meekness, looking at the Beatitudes. It's not weakness, it's meekness, it's strength with control. It's that idea of taking control of that horse, that beast that has so much power and strength, but taming it and controlling it. That's what we need to do. It takes us dying to ourselves and putting away all of our pride, all of our own selfish wants and desires. It takes us to lose and put away, this is a hard one, our own sense of self-importance do you know who I am? Mark, do you know who I am? <laughs> do you know what I bring? Do you know what I can do? Here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to see happen. Here's what, uh, everyone get out of the way. Here, I, I'm, I'm here. 
Don't need anyone else. We need to put away our own sense of self-importance. Just to take our eyes off ourselves, even for just a moment. And if we can do that, we can be on the path to success in biblically serving one another. You know what? It takes all of us to be living in and walking in the Spirit of God. And we're going to get to that in a little second and when we read a little further into Galatians. And if we are living in the Spirit, and if we are walking in the Spirit, the result will be us producing in abundance the what? The fruit of the Spirit. You with me, church? If you walk in the Spirit and you live in the Spirit, you will produce the fruit of the Spirit. If you don't walk in the Spirit and you don't live in the Spirit, you won't produce the fruit of the Spirit, okay? Paul continues in his letter in verse 22 of of, um, chapter five of Galatians, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. Church, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Church, let us do what Paul encouraged the believers in Galatia to do. I love those six words. Keep in step with the Spirit. Say it with me. Keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step. It's the Holy Spirit beside you. Keep in step with him. Walk with him. That's what we've got to do. Don't let him get behind or don't let him get in front. (laughs) Stay with the Spirit. Walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Walk in step with the Lord because the danger is if we don't live and walk and keep in step with the Spirit that we could be producing in our lives a very different kind of fruit. What is that fruit? Good question. Paul tells us what this fruit is in a few verses before. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I am warning you about these things as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Which kind of fruit do you want to produce in your life? Simple question, isn't it? Which kind of fruit do you want your life to produce? Do you want to produce idolatry, hatred, jealousy, anger, selfish ambition, envy, drunkenness, and anything like this? If that's what you want, then just ignore God in your life. Leave the Holy Spirit out of things. Don't walk with the Spirit. Walk in a different way. Don't keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with something different. If you are not walking with the Lord, serving Him and keeping in step with the Spirit, these are the kinds of things that you will produce in your life. Which kind of fruit do you want to produce? And the second question is, which is better 
to help us serve one another. Now, I think we all know the answer. If this is a church filled with idolatry and dissension and jealousy and division and anger and, and all sorts of things, we're not really gonna be serving each other well, are we? We need the fruit of the Spirit. That's what we need in our hearts and in this family. <clears throat> and we have it. We have it. I'm not saying we don't have it. I'm just saying, let's get more of it. Let's produce more fruit of the Spirit. God's desire is that we serve and one another through love. Through love. Serve one another through love. What does that mean? It means that we prefer one another. It means that we honor one another. And it means that we are devoted to one another in and through love. You all know in, in, in the Greek, there's three different words for love. And here it's that agape love. Agape love, simply affection and goodwill. Do you wish goodwill on everyone in here? Are you affectionate with everyone? Is it, a, is it, a, is it an affectionate love that you have for the people that God's put with you in this body? in Glenmachan. Do you want goodwill for everyone? You know, Paul makes it clear in this passage that those who have been called by Christ, and that includes all of us, and into the kingdom of God have been called into a life of freedom. But Paul exhorts the believers in Galatia not to use this newfound freedom in Christ to satisfy the sinful nature, and that can be um, the danger Instead, Paul wants them to use this newfound freedom as new creations in Christ to serve one another in love, to devote themselves to one another in true godly affection and goodwill and Christ-like love. Look, to become uh, in a true and biblical and spiritual sense a slave and to serve others. That's what Paul wants for the church. Church, we are not called to use our freedom in Christ to sin, okay? It's not a license to sin. The freedom that we have in Christ is not to sin, but to serve. That's why we have been set free, so we can serve the Lord and we can serve one another. And what a freedom we have in Jesus, amen? Amen? What a freedom we have in him. We are free to serve like he served. And we'll get to that in a minute. We're gonna look at some passages in the Bible that, that honestly blew my mind every time I read them. When you think about who is involved in these, in these events, when I read them, I, I can't make sense of them. They are literally too good to be true. And first of all, we're gonna go to Matthew chapter 20. And we're gonna uh, read an account of an event that reveals to me something of the very heart of God, something that is of utmost importance to him. This event in Matthew 20 is Jesus with his disciples and he's with the 12 on his way to Jerusalem and they're preparing for the Passover meal. And the mother of James and John, she stops Jesus as they are traveling along the road, she kneels down in front of him and she wants to ask Jesus a favor. Jesus says to this mother, what do you want? What do you wish? What is your desire? And she says, 
Grant that my two sons, James and John, will sit at your right and left hand in your kingdom. Jesus responds with these words, you don't know what you are asking for your sons. Can you and your sons drink the cup that I am going to drink? All of them reply, Jesus, we can. Jesus speaks again, you will drink the cup, but the places at my right and left hand are prepared and granted by my Father. You know, it's most probable that this entire conversation took place in full view of the other 10 disciples. It wasn't a very sensible thing to do on the part of the mother. Verse 24 says that the other 10 were displeased with the two. I would say that's quite an understatement. I'd say that they were furious. Church, you know, ministry is not a competition. It's really not. And it's not about position. It's not about competition and it's not about position. It's not about having a title or having a special seat at a table. It's not even about you. It's not about me. It's not about your name. It's not about my name. My name is irrelevant. It's about fulfilling the calling and mission that God has given you with humility and with a servant's heart. It's functioning where the Lord has placed you in the body of Christ. And when we read about the body of Christ, Paul tells us that God has placed placed each of us where it has pleased him. You are where God wants you to be. He was pleased to put you in this body. And he wants you to function in the body along with all the other parts. You know, if we could just rid ourselves of pride, our egos, because it will rob us of our destiny and calling and position in the Lord, especially in the body of Christ. You know, there's no room in the kingdom for pride, for prideful men and women who care only about their own desires and needs their own glory and fame. And we've all known somebody like that, haven't we? We've all seen those people I pray that God would help us to be humble and to do everything for the name of Jesus. Not even for the name of Glenmacken, but for the name of Jesus, for his fame and for his renown. And you know, while the ten, the ten stand in total disgust here in this story, outraged at what they've just witnessed, Jesus calls them all to himself to try and calm everyone down, calm the situation and bring a little bit of order. I imagine him saying to them, blessed are the peacemakers. We'll get there in a few weeks when we continue the um, Sermon on the Mount series. And you know what, church? We need peacemakers in the church. We need those who will be in the business and in the ministry of reconciliation. We need peacemakers in the kingdom of God. We need peacemakers in every ministry, every organization, and every arm of the church. And Jesus speaks some of the most powerful words I believe, to ever leave his lips in verses 25 to 28. Jesus called them over and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. 
just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Amen. Isn't that incredible, church? Everything that Jesus speaks here goes against the very way we are programmed and the way that the world and the culture wants us to be. This is completely countercultural. These words of Jesus are truly revolutionary. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Whoever desires to become great, whoever wants to be chief, whoever wants to be the big boss man, or whatever way you want to put it, let him be your servant. Simple question, church, this morning. Do you want to be great in service for God? Do you? I don't think that's a bad thing to desire, to be great in service for God. There's a lot of worse things you could desire than that. Do you have a desire to be a vessel that God can use for greatness? Let me give you a tip. Serve, 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 and serve others some more. Become a slave. Become a servant. Do you desire that God will use you to accomplish great things for his name and for his kingdom? Amazing desire to have. I'm praying for you. Go for it. Run with that. But first, humble yourself before God and then serve, serve, and serve some more. Serve others with your gifts, with your abilities, with your character, with the, with the personality and the character that God has given you and become a slave to those around you. This is the key to greatness in God's kingdom. Take yourself and bind yourself with bonds of love and peace. Become a slave to humble service and acts of kindness and serve those in your life. Maybe you have, maybe there's those this morning, and when I use the word leadership, I don't mean just eldership in the church. I mean leadership in departments, in any capacity in the body of Christ. Do you feel a desire for leadership? Do you feel the call of God on your life to lead? That's a good thing to have. But I tell you this, if you can't serve, you can't lead. Maybe I'll put it better. If you won't serve, you won't leave. You won't lead. <laughs> if, I had, if I could say it right. If you can't serve, you will never, ever lead. That's the way the kingdom works. If you can't serve others in humility and grace, forget about ever leading people anywhere or into anything. It'll never happen because it goes against God's design. Let me make it clear. I believe, and I believe the Bible teaches that leaders are servants. Service is leadership. Leaders are to be an example of humility and service. So, you want to lead? Start serving. Start serving. If you ever wanna lead any capacity in this church, to be a department leader, to be an elder, to be a deacon, whatever it is, you should be serving way before that ever happens. Amen, church? Start serving. We all need an example to follow. We all want someone to look at and say, 
that's who I want to be, that's the way I want to live, that's the way I want to serve, I want to be like that person. Well, I don't want, to look, I don't want you to look at anyone in this church. We're all human and we're all creatures, we're, we're all the same, we all fall and fail all the time. You just, you look at Jesus, he's the greatest example of service that has ever existed and will ever exist. Matthew 20, 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, to, sorry, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let that sink in for just a moment. We're talking about Jesus here. He did not come to be served. He came to serve and to give his life. The King of glory, the Messiah, the mighty God, the Prince of peace, the only begotten, one of a kind Father, the Son of God came to serve, not to be served. You know, out of every human being that has ever walked the earth, the one person who could rightfully demand and should rightfully receive service was Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Am I right? He's the only person who could ever have came and said, you all need to serve me because he's worthy of it. But he didn't do that. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. Almighty God in the flesh tabernacled among us. The God of creation did not come to be served, but came to serve mankind. And when you begin to think and meditate on this, it is truly exceptional and wonderful and marvelous and exciting and beautiful, isn't it, church? Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, King of kings and Lord of lords, came to serve, not to be served, but to serve, and he did it with love. He did it with love. He is our greatest example of loving service. He came to give up his life as a ransom for many. He paid for our freedom with his very life. There is no greater act of love. He came with all authority and power. He was given the name that was above every other name. But even with that name, he came in true humility and meekness and he came as the suffering servant. And that's why I wanted to read Isaiah 53 this morning. Beautiful, wasn't it? What a passage, a, a prophetic a passage about the suffering servant. And you know what? I find it hard to get my head around this. God with skin on, walking around with man in humility and meekness, actually serving humanity. Jesus served those people. He served his disciples. He served those who followed him. He was in fact serving those he had created, if you think about it in that way. Those who were living in disobedience. Those who were filled with sin and were in need of a savior. It's all the wrong way around, but it's the way it happened. Jesus in a sense, I guess, church, he didn't need to come and be served. He came to serve. Surely humanity, those around him, should have been serving him, right? But that's not the way it was. He served them. We all know this passage from Philippians 2 as I come to a close this morning. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, 
But in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should not look to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, church, say instead. Are you all still awake? Say instead. Listen to what Jesus did. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant or of a slave. There's that word doulos. Taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He made himself of no reputation. He emptied himself. He took the form of this servant, the form of a slave. And he came in the likeness of you and me. He humbled himself. He became obedient. And that obedience took him to death. Church, do you want an example of humility and service this morning? Look no further than your Lord. That's where we've got to look because he is the ultimate example of humility and meekness, the ultimate example of strength with control. He is the standard bearer for service and for servanthood and what a life of service should look like. He is also the standard for leadership because he was a servant. If you want want to see leadership in action, Read Jesus in the Gospels. Read John 13 where he washes the disciples' feet. That's not service. That's not leadership. Sorry, I meant that's not leadership. That's exactly what leadership is. Service. He served those men. He washed their dirty feet. He got down on the floor in the lowest form of where the slave of the household should have been and he washed their feet. That is what leadership is. That's what it looks like. It's sacrifice. Say sacrifice. Sacrifice. You can't serve God to your full potential without making sacrifices. Service will mean sacrifice. And I want to know, are you prepared to make it? Time, money, resources, sleep. And in church work, sometimes your sanity. Amen? It means having to get the hands dirty and doing the stuff that no one else wants to do. We just talked about our Lord getting down there, kneeling before the disciples, washing their dirty feet, doing the job that nobody else wanted to do in a room full of people. No one else lifted the basin. No one else lifted the towel. Jesus did. He is our greatest example of servanthood and leadership. And you know what? Doing the stuff that no one else sees, that's the stuff that God sees. And I believe those are the things that he actually takes greatest delight in. You know? The stuff that no one else sees, but I promise you if you're here, God sees what you're doing. Maybe you're not getting the recognition that you want. Maybe that's a problem for you though. Because God sees everything that you do and God will honor you in due time. We must not do those things for reward. 
but we must do them out of a heart of love for our King and our Savior. When you realize what he has done for you, how can you not desire to serve him? Isn't that right? And we serve him by serving others. You know, a slave does everything he does because he is a slave. It's his duty. He serves his master not because he will receive a reward or a pat on the back or brought onto the stage and told, you're the best thing ever, well done. I've never heard of a master doing that for a slave. And does the slave expect it? No. Why? Because he's a slave. He's a servant. He's in chains. He's in bondage to his master. He is fulfilling his duty and expects no recognition and no reward. So why do we? Why do we? A question we should all ask ourselves. Why do we do what we do? What is our motive? Why do we do what we do? Church, I'll be honest with you. I can only speak for myself. But sometimes I do want recognition. Anyone ever been there? I wish they'd announce my name. I wish to tell everyone about what I've done. If only people knew the work I put in. If only, you know. And yes, sometimes recognition is right. It is in certain circumstances. But when we're serving the Lord, voluntary, serving the church, working for the Lord in some kind of ministry, We just have to do it with a heart for him and know that he sees us and he sees everything we're doing and we're doing it for him alone. Look what I've built. Look what I designed. Come and see what I've done. Come on, everyone, come and see. Look at the amazing things I've achieved. Am I not just unbelievable? <laughs> That's the way we get on sometimes. I have this title, I have that title. I'm this and I'm that. Who cares? You know what? Those things aren't, they're really not important. It's your heart that matters before God. It's your heart position before the king of kings that really matters. I won't lie tonight. For me, sometimes humility is a battle. It's a, it's a real fight. It's a challenge. I know it's a challenge to die to ourselves, to set our minds on things above and to live to store up treasures in heaven, to walk and live in the spirit and keep in step with the spirit and not to walk and live in the flesh to serve just because we love the Lord and we love those that God has placed with us in this house without any recognition or any reward. I know it's hard to do those acts of kindness and compassion to those that we know would never do the same for us. That's hard to bless those who persecute you, to bless those who curse you, to pray for those. Look, it goes against the grain to be indiscriminate in love and grace, to do indiscriminate acts of kindness. I already shared about John 13, an incredible story. Go home and read it today. Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. And you know, some of us consider that rule beneath us and that we are so above. I am, Peter, I am so above that, mate. I'm so above that. I've done that stuff for years. Time for me to go up the ladder a wee bit. I'm not washing any, no, 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 not for me. Some of us would never stoop down and do something like that. That's someone else's job. I'm too qualified. I'm not getting down on the dirty floor. I'm an elder. 
I'm a pastor. I am a leader in Glenmacken, don't you know? I'm not doing that stuff. That's for someone else to do. That's for the volunteers. Joanne can do it. Marion can do it. I'm not doing it. That's beneath me. God forgive us. I pray that that attitude isn't found anywhere in this fellowship. I pray that God would change our hearts if that's the way we think sometimes. I did my time doing that, Peter. Did my time, did my service. Well, you need to get over yourself very quickly. God is looking for servants who will do whatever is needed. Do you hear me, church? Whatever is needed, I don't care how small or how big, God is looking for people who will serve him. I believe God is is calling us out on this today and it includes me too. Jesus, our greatest example, without a second thought, washing those feet and he chooses to serve them. It's amazing. I've so much more to say, but I've run out of time. I don't want to keep you all day. Let me finish with this. Where's James? James, you coming up? And Lorraine and, and the girls, please. Church, if you want an example to follow, I can think of none better than our Lord. Take the words of Jesus to heart and put them into practice. Jesus said to his disciples that night as he washed their feet, do as I have done to you. That's what I want to leave with you this morning. Do as I have done to you. Blessed are you if you do them. Serve one another through love. Let me just, will you stand with me, please? And let me just read um, the portion that we read earlier. And and if you haven't understood anything else this morning, maybe you'll understand this, because this is from a children's Bible, okay? So those of you who are slightly challenged, (laughs) hopefully you'll understand this. My brother's, God called you to be free, but do not use your freedom as an excuse to do the things that please your sinful self. Serve each other with love. That's it. Say it with me. Serve each other with love. The whole law is made complete in this one command. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Church, serve one another through love. Be an affectionate, devoted, and loving servant to your neighbors, to those in this body, your brothers and sisters in Christ. So what do we do now? Okay, Pete, what do we do? From today on, you go and you serve one another in love. That's it. Amen.